Hey, what's up, guys? Andrew here. Welcome to episode 615 of the show. Wanted to let you know up front that we had some technical difficulties with this episode. We were recording it via Twitter Spaces, and that didn't go uh, as well as we wanted it to, but we did capture the episode, so wanted to share it with you here. Summer Game Fest predictions we covered on this show, which is June 9th. Uh, the show is actually June 9th. I think I mentioned the 8th, but it is the 9th of June. We also talked about State of Play, and also we did a news roundup on this show as well. My new show, The Pixel Block over at G Media, which is a new contracted gig that I have over there, uh, that I'm curating some great conversations over there on Twitter Spaces. So definitely make sure you check that out for sure. And the best way to keep up with everything that I'm currently doing is on Discord. So definitely check out thealliancediscord.com. Once again, that's thealliancediscord.com, which is where I post everything that I have coming up, which is the central up for all the information that I have going out. And if you want to catch the other information that I post, uh, you can check out my Twitter as well, which I'll post in the description. So this is episode 615. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the show radio. This is episode 615 of the show. I am your host, Andrew. Hey, guys, and I'm Danny. And this is your source for tech gaming and entertainment news. Uh, guys, head over to thealliancediscord.com, which is where we're posting all the news for this episode. This episode 615 of the show. Uh, definitely follow at the show radio if you want the actual Twitter. And we have a lot of news to cover today. I mean, starting with uh, some Halo stuff. I definitely want to do a roundup of the Halo TV series. We'll talk about state of play a little bit and a lot of news that took place even heading into Summer Games Fest uh, 2022. So, Daniela, how are you? How's everything? I am doing good. I've missed this. I know it's, it's what, three weeks now. We had Mother's Day, so we didn't record that day. And then I got COVID for two weeks. Highly don't recommend COVID for anybody. But I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energized. Still got a slight cough here and there, so intermittently, if I mute myself, it's just because I have to cough. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm glad that you're feeling better, for sure, because I know it took a couple of days. It felt like a longer time, you know, just um, you know, trying to touch base with you to make sure everything was okay on your side, but I'm definitely glad that you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm living. I'm living. I'm doing okay. <laughs> Not I'm living. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's I'm doing good though, so um, I'm excited that we're back and we're recording this week. Yay! Absolutely, absolutely. So thealliancediscord.com, definitely check us out there. The podcast is available on all podcast platforms, and definitely uh, thank you for tuning in. So, so let's just uh, jump right into it. Halo TV series. We we've watched all of it. Uh, episode nine was iconic in so many ways. And I know we didn't really talk about maybe from seven to nine or six through nine. Uh, but uh, I think nine covers a lot of things that we were trying to, um, you know, conclude with some of the previous episodes. So what's your take on what you saw, I guess, leading up to nine? And then we can get into uh, episode nine conversation. I'm kind of glad that they they weren't focusing so much 
on like the little subplots that I had going on. And it was just so heavily focused on everything that's going on at Reach, going on with Master Chief. Well, you got to see a bit more Silver Team, which I absolutely loved about um, Episode Nine, and I was just, I was just amazed, like, because because you have this like budding relationship between Maki and or Maki and uh, Master Chief, which I know that you said that you just didn't care for, but you know what, I I don't mind it. I didn't mind it at all. Yes. Yeah, so, kind of, go ahead. I, I, I guess it kind of adds on a little bit. I mean, you kind of have to expect it. I mean, I know it's probably just not a thing in the overall general Halo universe. I'm not saying that I'm a Halo know-it-all at all. I'm, I'm basing off of my Halo experiences just on this TV show, so please don't send me any hate. Um, but I... I, I, I you, what what can I say about it? Like they're gonna have a love interest in there. I don't I don't know what it adds to, but you can kind of like build some sentiment, some care for like McKee, who you just think is just like this terrible human being. <laughs> Which kind of in a way she was, kind of wasn't, but I think it was episode eight where like she was really at that cusp of that turning point of like Maybe humans aren't so bad. Until they find out that's her voice on the recording. And she's like, nope, you're all terrible human beings. And she just had some PTSD trauma that like hit her when she was being shocked with that baton. And it all goes downhill. Yeah, so, so that trigger was definitely... Um, an interesting moment. I think for me, when it came when it came to McKee and what she represented as a character, I think there was a combination of different things. Right? She was still, in my opinion, trying to find herself and how she fit into the entire picture, um, and also she was yearning of what her relationship would be with the prophets and what that would mean for her in the great journey. Right? Which we see a culmination of that towards the end of that particular episode. And if you didn't watch the Halo series, this is not a good time to be in here right now. Uh, just uh, giving you a warning. So, so watching that play out from her, you know, removing the serial code slash weapon that was in her hand to, you know, how she interacted when she got back to uh, the prophets and just that uh, picture of her, wanting more but understanding that she was still out of place and that's the feeling that I always received you know watching the the last you know couple of episodes there was always, there's this always this displacement that I saw with her you know as she was you know navigating what she was doing to be part of the crew if you will versus their own plans for her right um towards the end of that so so just you know just wanted to touch on that a little bit any thoughts on that no, for sure. There was that place of like just not completely fitting in. I mean, she was raised by the Covenant, yeah. So that's kind of like the only home that she really knows and understands. But she knows that they don't like humans. She knows that um, they wanted to destroy Wyvernod. And she kind of has that similar sentiment just because of her childhood of when we were introduced to her. But she's not 
really one of them. And I think she's going and has this blind faith that because um, they kind of treated her so well, um, that they had some care for her in her mind. Clearly and obviously, they don't care for her. They're just using her. They're just like, when they get what they need out of her, like, we, you know, as a viewer, like, they're going to kill her. They don't care. They're, that's not what they're about. And she just doesn't believe that. But then to have that hope that she could be with somebody that was her kind and she was with Master Chief um, gave her this, like, small glimpse that one moment, like, it could be different. I could have more. And then to have that ripped away from her, and she's like, no, this is this is what they're going to get because humankind hasn't changed from, like, the last time that I was around them. Yeah. And, it, and it's kind of sad to see because I think at, at, at some point there was something that changed in me that really wanted more for her. When did that change? I don't know where that... I don't know. I don't know when, that, when exactly that changed. Because... Because you have that one scene where okay, they sleep together, and then they're like, oh, okay, she gets, she gets to have something. And I, I felt weird about it, but then the next episode, I'm like, you know what, I think I kind of got on board with it. Because she pulls out like a little blade out of her finger, and she goes through that. She obviously has some real feelings that there is hope for her. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then really quick you know you have Apple you have you have all of them Dr. Key's just like no really quick and there was like there's no questions about it I mean yeah she what they what they discovered like she pretty much was part of wiping out one of their ships um to have that okay arrest her um but they were super aggressive about it and I just kind of felt bad in that moment because you can see it in her face that she's like, no, no, it's all like that. I, I, I changed. I want, I want this. And she's trying her hardest. And that was it. So serious question I have for you. If, if her fate didn't take, you know, what happened, didn't happen, right? Do you think that, um, of course, it's speculation. Uh, do you think that she would side with Chief in some way, shape, or form in the future? Or like, what are your thoughts on on? on how things played out. I think so. I really think so. I think she would have seen um, where, where it was going and that the covenant just didn't care for her. I think at, at some point she would have, and then gone back to master chief. Cause obviously he cared for her too. He had a tie. There's somebody that is similar to him. I mean, yeah, he has silver team and they're all raised the same. But to to be a part of this bigger picture and to have somebody to be alongside with, like obviously he was he was attached to her and and she had somebody too that had this special ability that she also had that she didn't have before. So I I think yeah at some point she probably would have. Right, because there was there was a, a dilemma. I guess that's that's what I would call it at that point where. Chief was fighting, I know we're at the end and then we'll go back to the beginning at some point, but Chief was, you know, fighting that same, you know, monster that he was, he was, uh, fighting a couple of episodes ago. We're back. It's, it was like, okay, you remember him? So you're fighting him again and he's like tearing him apart. And then you have the point where Mickey has to make a decision. Do I save 
him or right i I thought that was i think i think that part was beautifully done because even on the the part one of the episodes where where she was essentially saying goodbye you know we get this um reunion if you will and under you know very interesting you know conditions but the 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 connection was still there for her to make the decision that she made so so I know we're at the end, but let's go to the beginning a little bit because uh, she shoots a, a, a soldier in the beginning and she wanted to go back to the Covenant ship, right? That's mm-hmm. where we were towards towards the beginning. So uh, I don't know, would you say fight or flight or or it's just like, you know, just trying to complete the mission? What were your thoughts on, on that particular exchange, if you want to call it that? I think she's just trying to complete a mission. Okay. At that point, she was just very dedicated to what she promised the company that she was going to do and that she was going to uphold that and stick to her word. I don't think it was fight or flight. I think it was just, it was just grand scheme of this plan that she had. Okay, fair. And then right within the same scene or next scene, we have Chief, you know, trying to figure it out himself. Then he walks into a room where uh, I think it was Vanek pointing the gun at Kai, right? And trying to explain to them, like, you've been played for so many years, right? And and that whole exchange, I think the whole episode was was so well done. But let's just talk about that particular um, session there. What were your takeaways from there? <laughs> oh, that was funny because I, I love the scene later on when they all changed. But um, that was a very, very kind of brief scene where there's just no like everything that's going on that here's the thing that kind of blew my mind you have all of this stuff that's going on around reach but they're still so focused on this mission of we need to bring the master chief to um dr halsey like and that's it just screw everybody else right super focused, yeah. yeah and um the fact that they were just willing to to shoot Kai to stop Master Chief and also kind of willing to shoot him in in some way too. Uh, it really feels like you, those guys are really hard programmed. Like they really don't question anything. But then you you have Captain um, Keys come out, confirm everything is true, even though. Dr. Holdley said, don't listen to anybody else. You only listen to me. Which they were doing up until that very point. So why, did, why, like, even with that command, and they were sticking with that command the whole time, why were they finally convinced when Captain Keyes confirmed everything that Master Chief said? So do you think that played out too quickly? Yeah, a little bit too quickly. Even, even. Because it was like it... all of the. Go ahead. Like, even though it's like they had these strict commands and, she, and Dr. Halsey was talking to them on some special little frequency that only that they could hear and only follow her commands, um, that they're all good. And, okay, well, Captain Keith confirmed what much she said. All right, we're going to go along with this. It just, it just kind of seemed out of place. Like, I'm glad that it, like they, they fell along and they believed him. But for their hard programming to just, like, when they get this overriding command, 
to follow these specific orders and only her orders, why did they suddenly change? Like that, that little consistency there seemed a little bit off to me. Yeah. So, so they had a lot of information to process as well, because um, the, the other thing to, to consider is everything that they were experiencing with why Master Chief was acting very weird. Cause you remember, I'm trying to remember, was it Kai that saw Master Chief, you know, take the uh, the pellet out? I think it was Kai, right? Because she was still gathering a lot of data, right? Yeah. Okay, so to the point where from there, she decided to take her pellet out as well. And then when when Riz walked in on Kai, there was a lot of information, you know, gathering for her as well. Like, And I think that although they're incredible soldiers and it seems like certain situations, they kind of like, um, like de-amplify how great they are individually, right? So mm-hmm. it's almost like the information that Riz was acquiring while she was observing either Chief's behavior or Kai's behavior and stuff like that, that was de-amplified. And the same thing for Kai and the information that, you know, Kai was, you know, receiving after uh, the pellet was removed. It felt like those things were a little bit de-amplified as well. And then we kind of see those things come together at times in rooms where um, they're speaking with Miranda, sharing their experiences. And then all of a sudden we get this amplification of everything that they can do and are able to do and how they're able to retain all this information, you know, from the tactical stuff to the language to this and that or the other. And then we get to certain sections and it seems like, although it may feel like forced, we, it's almost like, I don't want to disc, you know, like discount or or remove all the stuff that we saw the last like six or seven episodes. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So so I think that so when I'm watching, so Vanek was harder to convince than Riz, right? And then it's like yes. So I just want to pause here and ask, well, why do you think that is? And let's just talk about that for a little bit. Because he's a soldier, soldier. Like he's definitely like seems like the harder person, more rough around the edges. There, just the way that his character is played and how he's come across. Even though like our encounters with them are so limited, um, but I think it has to do with uh, Riz kind of like having that experience of knowing that there's something different with Kai that maybe she's kind of questioning it because. Kai didn't just remove her pellet and just become furious, just like suddenly, like you, you know, like you're mentioning, she had this kind of reconnaissance trying to figure out like what is Master Chief doing? And I think Riz uh, was somewhat feeling that after seeing Kai kind of changing, um, acting a little bit differently, whereas Vanek didn't really have that. He didn't, he wasn't there for any of those moments. So I think, the, I think that that Riz was definitely a little bit more questioning on certain things, but she still has her pill in. So she's not as deep. So I think that's why she was a little bit easier where she started dropping her gun and like, maybe there's some truth to this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he didn't drop his until like he, he almost did like a merry-go-round with the weapon in his face. Like, bro, like (laughs) we're telling you what the story is. Are you like, processing what we're saying right now like yeah he didn't he didn't want to put the gun down until like yeah that that took a while for him 
So so then from there, Kai goes. So there's there. a third. Hmm? So there's a third part third party verification there. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. That that was that was an interesting scene. So from there, you have Kai heading for the ship because she wanted Halsey, right? So yeah. so that was interesting. So again, we we get to a point where we get to see the Spartans running again because I know we were talking about that in previous episodes where uh, they can run anywhere from like 25 to like 30 up to 30 plus miles an hour, right? And we see a scene where it shows us how fast um, the Spartans were running past the soldiers, right? And I thought that was that was a beautiful thing to, to point out. So what was your take there as you were watching her uh, head into the, the ship? She was like a two-legged cheetah running past everybody. I swear, if she just would have gotten down on all fours, she might have gotten there even faster. Like, it yeah, was, it was like the way that they showcased that was really, really cool. And then her leaping into the air to land on top of the ship to to get into there, which I'm amazed that the ship continued kind of like, I don't know how she got in, first of all. Like, just, she's on it, and next thing you know, she's in it. So I'm like, did you bust through the hall? Is there some, like, door you ripped open? If so, how is that ship still okay to fly, seeing that the might be compromised by whatever method that you use to get in there? Right, right. So so that one, that part was interesting, too, because I was trying to figure that out. So we see Master Chief later removing the Spartan armor off of a Spartan to, you know, try to take care of Rez, right? So So removing the plates... I don't think that's like something that they, they can't do. And since they were still, you know, on, let's just say earth, you know, so they weren't like out there in space. Right. So I don't think that uh, compromising that portion of it was just, was as serious as her shooting at the engine. Right. So, yeah. so I think, I think that was, that was interesting to see. Cause I was trying to um, understand that as well. I'm like, well, how, how does she like, you know, do like a, 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 I don't know if it's like a, a jet Lee landing inside of the ship and then the ship is still okay. You know, that didn't make sense to me, you know, until like you see a uh, different pieces later. So she gets in, right? So now she's heading for Dr. Halsey. So at the part where they show Kai entering the ship and she sees Dr. Halsey and we're trying to figure out who was she seeing at that time? Was it a clone of Dr. Halsey or someone else? And I think that's where we I wanted to pick it up, pick it back up. What are your what are your thoughts on that? I think at that point it was most certainly a a clone of Dr. Halsey. And the real one was elsewhere. Cause if we go to the ending of the episode, when we see her again and she's on the outside of, of Reach. She's looking at Reach. She's at this like little tourist attraction. I can't remember what the name of it was. And I think she was going to rendezvous with her clone. And like, I, like we don't know. I, I don't know exactly where she was like, where she swapped off. Um, what what the the plan was and where did she integrated that because we don't know how long or the lifespan or the expiration date of of these clones are at all and it, it just shows how incredibly intelligent and smart and conniving and planning she is 
to, to just go through all of that because she had to foresee where this was going. Cause you, I don't know how long it takes to grow a clone. <laughs> they don't discuss that part, but they do discuss like, you know, when they were abducting these, these children for the Spartan program that shortly after, you know, these kids go went to these seizures and they died. And that's why that planet was kind of quarantined because they threw it off as this little cover up of it being, you know, some type of sickness, something that was contagious, but no explanation about how long it takes to grow a clone. No explanation about how long it took for, you know, after the abduction to swap out for all of this to happen. So it, that that part is a little bit shady. And I don't know if we're supposed to know these things or really be thinking about it. But as a viewer, I mean, obviously, that's what you and I are thinking about. Yeah, for sure. Because we saw the original uh, done and the first couple episodes of the show itself. And then, you know, we see this take place. Then we get to the portion of where Miranda is speaking to her mom or she believes she's speaking to her mom. Right. Uh, they capture they capture her after she got out of the pod and she was running away. And, you know, even even that for me, like when I start thinking about it some more. It felt very um, like it, it didn't seem like she was really trying to escape. What do you what do you think? Like, maybe I'm reading too much into that. It was just like um, it was I don't know. It was too easy of a capture, in my opinion, because of how brilliant she was. But I guess that was the intention. But what are your thoughts on that part? I think she was really genuinely trying to get away. Um and she was trying her best because she had the artifact with her. And the entire point was that Dr. Halsey wanted this artifact. So I think she was really trying to. Um, but what are you going to do? Your plane crashes in the middle of nowhere or your pod, really. And I thought she would have gotten a good head start considering she got out of the pod. And I don't think they knew exactly where that pod was going to land, but they caught up to her really fast. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it was necessary that she wasn't trying. Okay. It's All right. That's the Tao world. Uh, <laughs> the consistency of how do you fast they get from point A to point B. Right. It was a little loose there. All right. So so from there, what else caught your attention in the um, the episode? Because I know there was a lot of different things that took place. Um, so what else caught your attention in the episode itself? So um, when they did catch Dr. Halsey and um, Halsey and uh, Miranda were talking, uh, that whole in interaction, the way that I, I kind of saw it, it was very interesting, I think, because she she i meaning uh miranda um she has a very tough relationship with her mom if you want to call it that um and from my perspective i feel like she went in there trying to feel really big like oh i got this on my mom I can rub her face in it they're going to try her they're going to do all these things to her but I think somewhere in that in that conversation, I think there was a lot of pain. I don't think she wants her mom to necessarily go. I think it was like a last ditch effort to just get some type of 
kudos or appreciation from her mom that she just wasn't getting and then that short like little conversation they had like stop chasing that ghost like there's just pain in her face and her eyes about like I'm just not going to get it no matter what why am I trying yeah like what uh, yeah. interacting yeah I definitely saw a lot of that you know for for her and she really wanted to to be at the place where she can say, now I finally, you know, I, I'm I'm the captain, right? I'm the big one, you know, right now, because you, it's, it's sad to see that you, I'm looking at you from across this table and this is what you've, you know, this is where you, you, you are. Right. But I think we've gotten hints of, of what we were looking at across the table because of the the bleeding and the, the the nosebleed and those things were were symptoms of how you know the clones would be for a period of time before they start either decomposing or you know that kind of a thing so so they were their their lifespan are extremely short and it almost so it almost didn't register to me that that's what was happening um until the, the well I didn't catch it until the, the the seizure, right? And then I was like, "Oh wow, right?" And then they give you the breakdown of what happens when the clones are are placed in you know the homes and different things like that. And I'm like, "Wow, she went like way ahead of all that stuff, right?" So I think that was fascinating, fascinating to to see that, you know, her her brilliance on display. Yeah, for sure. But then also see Miranda's. I'm like, she did it. She did it to me again. Right. Like, right. how can she? I can't believe this evil person that I call my mother. <laughs> that's like, that's amazing. Like, that's not my mom. Just like internally, I could just picture her just screaming. Yeah, it was pretty bad yeah. for her. I hear myself back a little bit. I hear myself back a little bit. Um. What else caught your attention, though? Obviously, the entire fight scene when, um, okay, no, since we're still around that point, you have, you know, Kai who jumps on the plane, it starts to go down. Um, when uh, you have the rest of Silver Team standing there looking at the flaming wreckage. I couldn't tell if they were just kind of mourning that they have a possible fallen player or they're all like, yeah, just give her some time. She'll get out of it. Just wait. Because like, I'm not, I'm not even going to like kid about this. When I saw that happen and just kind of like, there's no way that you're going to have two Spartans live through a crashing plane. Like, there's no way that they could possibly do that. And I was like, kind of like on the verge of crying. Cause I was like, I was amazed that I've grown this tie, this, this attachment to Kai and this character. And then to see her like possibly like die. And I was like, no, she's, she's finally finding herself and figuring out this stuff. And you're just going to take her away. And you know, lo and behold, there she is, comes climbing out like nothing happened. And yeah, I wasn't like, surprised by that. 
You weren't? No. I, I was. I, I, I definitely was because it's just, I guess just having the both of them. But then that's again, like when I look back at it, because I've watched the episode like three times now. Um, the first time I just thought they were mourning him, but the, the second and third time I'm like, no, nah, they just like, they knew she would have survived. And they were just waiting for her to emerge out of that flaming wreckage. Yeah, that and, armor that they wear is like, it's like the best of the best, coupled with the fact that they're enhanced. And although they're living in a tank, if you want to say that with that particular uh, suit on, their reflexes are pretty incredibly fast with that suit on. So so her being able to either jump out at the last minute to uh, protect herself from the crash or um, using the ship as a launch pad kind of like the launch pad, like a, a springboard of like a pool. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if she did that kind of maneuver to push herself away from the actual explosion to survive it because they're that, you know, powerful, nimble, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You can go down the list of, you know, what the Spartan represents, you know, uh, by way of their abilities, which is why that, they were looking to see when she was going to like, you know, shake it off and come back. Yeah. Which I'm glad she didn't die. Obviously. Um, Other than that, I think what I found interesting. So in all of this process of them having that extra covenant aircraft um, that um, McKee escaped off into, they didn't discover anything, any better advancements in technology that they could include into their aircrafts in that time. I, then again, we don't know how much like the duration of time here in between all of these events. But why I bring that up is that so uh, shortly after that, you know, Master Chief tells Cortana that he needs her. I'm glad that there's a sense of trust that's that was starting to show right there um, and that he's going to benefit off of this. Silver Team leaves. They go off to hunt down McKee. But while they're trying to traverse this and, you know, their whole spaghettifying thing, they're struggling to get through this. They're, they're, you know, their navigation gets knocked out. They're depending on um, Cortana to be their eyes to get through it. They're struggling. Um, Master Chief goes through this whole, like, I don't know, revelation or whatever it is as they're flying that he puts his trust into to get there. And you have both like um, Vanak and and Master Chief, you know, controlling this aircraft to get there. But McKee got there by herself in one piece with no problems and no spaghettifying. Yeah, um, I don't know. I let that one go based on the fact that she has experience on navigating to that place before, which is why I didn't read too much into it. But I think for them, this was the first time that they were heading in that particular direction. Um, yeah, I kind of let that one go, but that's, that's definitely a great point. I mean, we're, we're just going to have to assume that she's navigated. I mean, obviously she's flown, you know, to and from there. But has she personally flown the aircraft? Has she personally been part of the whole navigation to be able to do that? Or is there an autopilot that somewhere in there that'll be like, 
hey, just autopilot and bring me home and directly there. That one I can, I, I guess I can believe that. Like That's if the aircraft, That's you know, the navigation button will bring me home. And it just auto flies there and, and, and just knows somehow. But that's the whole thing. Like at the time that they did have this aircraft, they weren't doing any research on it. They didn't break it apart. They didn't try to like hack into it to discover more or they didn't use their resources. And here, here's the other thing too. So when she, when McKee gave that whole knowledge, like, oh, they went to their home planet, the safe place that, you know, Reach has never ever seen none of the UNSC has like charted it because there's nothing there. Like they didn't think to tap into the navigation and the mapping and the system of this aircraft to pull out that data. Mm. Like that that's my entire sci-fi like detective work going into like you didn't decide to look into the navigation of this to see if this aircraft has ever been to this place that McKee says exists that we've never seen. I think that's what I would have done. But, you know, that's that's past the point. Um, but when you get past all of that, that entire fight scene, that was beautiful. That was amazing to watch from beginning to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, realized, that- like, I realized that when, if I say something while you're saying something, then I hear myself. I don't know what that that is. That's that's kind of weird. But I do agree with you that the fight scene was amazing. What you take? What were your takeaways from that? It was really cool to watch to go between the third person and the first person view. The entire fighting kind of had a very horde sense thing because you have these waves coming up this mountain and over. Um, it, like thinking of it as a, a video game, that is. Definitely where I am. I'm seeing that, you know, you, you've seen that in several different video games where you have like, you reach that one checkpoint where you have to survive different waves of things for so long until some triggering event happens so that you can continue on. That's where I, <laughs> I was with that. And I thought that was really cool to see in a live action-ish CG sequence uh, to see that. Uh, but how... Maki, uh, the Master Chief, and the artifact in this three area, especially the artifact now combined into this bigger artifact, how that was affecting him and his performance and that that stress on top of not having his pill in and just trying to be super focused on the objective. But, you know, you have Maki over here, he has artifact and then she touches it. And it's like, it, it was just really cool to see. Yeah, the other part about it that's interesting to me um, as well is um, in the course of all of that, and then we talked about her having the dilemma to to save him, you know, because of their connection and all those things. It's just the, um, there was a lot going on and and just the way that the the enemies were able to just come through and and start, you know, wrecking shop. And it felt like Halo feels in in the game, right? And I think that the fact that they were able to capture that was amazing to me. And then the the taking over of the body, right? Which was an interesting uh, thing to see. And there was a quote that Cortana says, you know, like at the end of the day or when the game is over, the pawn and the king goes go back in the same box or something to that effect with that particular quote. And then 
she takes over the body. Um, and she says specifically prior to all that, that she doesn't believe that she has the ability to bring him back. Right. And he dies, if you will. Right. And then she takes, she says the quote, takes over the body. And it's almost like this is what the gamers wanted from the beginning that they got at the end. Right. It's we didn't want his mask, uh, his helmet, his helmet off. But getting to this point where he may never take off the helmet again because of how Cortana is infused in his, you know, system and his body or whatever, which I don't know how they would play that for next season, but whatever. But the fact that that's where we are now, that's what the gamers in my opinion, wanted from the beginning. But they showed you the humanity of of Chief and all the things and the superhero legendary uh, person um, at the end and how they're going to be able to carry that forward and what that means for the Silver Team speaking to him and the fact that he was so precise when Riz's lung needed to be you know, like, I don't know if, well, I don't know what that process is called. Right. But, um, aided to, right. Very precise there. The fact that Cortana was able to call the plane to destroy, uh, the main, uh, soldier that master chief was having challenges with, right. Her abilities extend beyond things that he couldn't even do. Right. Which is why, uh, Dr. Halsey was saying from, from the beginning, once this process takes place where, you know, the knowledge that Cortana has and what she's able to learn coupled with the the abilities of Master Chief himself. Once those things take place, there's there's not going to be there's no one can stop, you know, that combination when they're perfectly combined. Right. And I think that's what we saw at the end where, you know, from her calling you know, from Cortana calling the plane to uh, her precise uh, aiming for taking everything out. Uh, to picking up, you know, the artifact, not having any challenges there because, you know, it's Cortana, you know, getting to the ship and aiding Riz, we see that. And then when Kai, you know, addressed, you know, the Spartan soldier next to her, which is Cortana, and there were no response in that particular thing. I don't know if she's worried, concerned or whatever. What was your take on all that? Okay, so... Cortana is supposed to be this overpowerful AI that is capable of all of these things. And yeah, mm-hmm. when she takes over Master Chief, she has the physical ability of being able to do all these amazing things um, and process it faster and plan for it better than a human being can. You're going to tell me that at the beginning of the fight, even before, before, like when they started it and it was just Master Chief doing his thing, she couldn't have called that aircraft for air support for them. Like she's not capable of doing that without having full control over Master Chief. That wasn't in the script. Yeah, but if she has that capability. She can. She could have. Yeah. And he could have still maintained some type of control, offering air support for them, taking out those berserkers for them. And just providing ground fire while they're handling this. If could he have picked up the artifact? No, but it would have saved any one of the other 
um, silver team members to be able to pick it up and he provide, you know, additional cover from the ground for them to make it back to the aircraft. I feel like Cortana did not have to take him over to be able to provide that service for them. Uh, I don't think that Master Chief is dead. And I, I'm going back to what you were saying that, you know, that entire scene about when Cortana took over, started going out, wasn't saying anything. That's what gamers have been wanting and to see and they're getting it at the end. I mean, I, I think in a live action in a TV series, that is kind of an unrealistic expectation to have. Because you want to build up the story. If I had to watch all of Halo and Master Chief didn't really say or do anything and never really took off the helmet, I honestly think I would have been bored. Like, there would be really cool scenes, but that's just awkward and weird. After watching, like, all of this, I'm, like, grateful that the decision in episode one was for him to remove the helmet and for him to have a personality, for you to be tied to it, for this moment, in this season to have as much of an impact as it did to have that happen to him. Do I think he's dead? I think he's near close to it. And I would hope in my predictions for season two is that somehow Cortana finds a way to revive him. And maybe he just needs to be put, he's put into this coma state to help him continue to survive until they can get back. Um, why didn't Cortana say anything? I'm not too sure. Obviously, when they were flying there, she had her little hologram. She was talking stories. She was talking to Vanak. She was doing all these things. So why not, like, even if she doesn't have control over his vocals and she can't do that, she can still bring up her little hologram and be like, hey, um, it's me. Uh, he's kind of in a coma right now. I will get us home. Instead of like, I'm going to give you cold shoulder and say nothing to you. Yeah, can she without, you know, I think it's one or the other in that particular situation. Because I'm trying to figure out, like, there was there was a particular reason why they use that quote specifically, right? Where the, the pawn, at the end of the game, the king and the pawn go back in the same box. There's a, it, you know. I'm trying to remember if that was something that Halsey said to her at the beginning when she brought Cortana online. Hmm. I think it was because like, really, that rings a bell to me and I didn't go back. I watched this last episode three times, but it's been a little bit since I watched the, the first half of the season. But I'm pretty sure that is something that Halsey said to her. Or it, it was at least said one time earlier in the in the season. Yeah, that's definitely something worth checking out. Um, but... I mean, overall, it's definitely something that I want to rewatch and just appreciate all the actors and everything that they've done for a series that needed this kind of lifeline during a time where the game is actually struggling a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just a just a little bit <laughs> it definitely needed a lifeline we needed something to to remove uh you know our focus on the game itself that you know is going through some growing pains right now and once the growing pains are are over hopefully post summer game fest post you know whatever is supposed to happen during the summer where as we head into the fall, we see some additional updates. Maybe we get something during Summer Game Fest. Who knows? But um, 
we'll have to see how things play out uh, in the upcoming weeks or months leading into some of these uh, events. Yeah, the Halo game itself needs some type of revival because that died out way too quick. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Anything else on the Halo episode? Episode 9? Well, they could at least confirm season 2, so that's a good thing. Just that gotta wait till next year. That's the rough part. Yeah, it's it's um I'm glad that they I'm glad that I took the time to watch it because I, I was on the fence even getting to the part where we actually check out this this season for, for the Halo TV series, but I'm glad I took the time to watch it. Even though there are some things that are not necessarily, you know, traditionally canon based, you know, they took some liberty to, you know, do a couple of things with the actual show itself. And I'm glad that they did that uh, for us to enjoy it, as you mentioned. You know, Master Chief, you know, removing the helmet and some of the other things that we've seen throughout the actual episode itself. Uh, when when you hear. When when you see Halo as a series and you follow the books very, very closely and then from there you play the games, there's always been this gap between individuals saying that if you only play the games and you don't read the books, then you're not getting a full picture of what Halo represents. Now you have not only the books that's been out for a long time, you also have the games that that have been out. Then you also have the other pieces that have been done on different platforms, whether it's Netflix or some of the animation things that have been done to add more, uh, you know, context to what these soldiers do, right? And, And what they're capable of in so many different ways. And, you know, the dark side of, of their journey, as well as, the fantastic times when they jump out of a plane and they're just, you know, dropping like, you know, Titans, that kind of thing. Right. So I think that all of it is needed, but if you just read the books, then your imagination is always going to have a little bit more amplified uh, things when, and then you play the game, you might be disappointed. So I think that that's why I love when series take place like this, whether it's your, your Halo, your your Destiny, or any large world that has a lot of lore built in, I think that the individuals who are playing and participating in those particular things, whether it's the Star Wars or any other big universe, Star Trek or whatever, um, the individuals who are participating in those things should consider partaking in the other pieces that are that are available, right? And I think that a lot of gamers over the years have been disappointed because they expected a particular experience from the games that they didn't get. But the explanation for those things were in the actual books themselves. So I think that it's a good thing that we're at a place now where you get something like a Halo TV series, which is absolutely fantastic. And as you mentioned, we're getting season two in the near future. There's so much to be excited about for the series itself. Any thoughts? Yeah, I'm just I'm looking I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, I agree with everything that you have to say, Um, you know, and and I started off with this and I'm still going to stick with it. It's like I'm not I'm not the biggest Halo person. I don't know all the true lore. I don't know what liberties that the TV series um, took or or didn't take. Um, But for me, as just like a fan of the show itself, I love it. It's really entertaining and really fun and something I'm definitely going to just like, you know, 
continue watching and look forward to. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so that was amazing. So Halo, love it. We'll go back and watch a couple of episodes. And I know one of the episodes that you won't watch is the Quan episode because you're over Quan throughout the whole thing. Anyway, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe you'll go uh, back and, and check those things out uh, for sure. But it, it was really, really amazing. So I'll, I'll let you lead in with State of Play. Your thoughts and impressions on State of Play? Um, It was a really fun, like, just under 30-minute experience. It was very straight to the point. It opened up really strong with uh, Resident Evil 4 which I think we all just kind of assumed that was coming and it was happening. And I'm I'm kind of glad that they opened with that. Uh, definitely is going to be something I'm going to be playing. Uh, and if it just, it looks amazing. It looks like a lot of fun. It has a whole different vibe to it that's going on. And if you haven't played Resident Evil 4 yet, I would not recommend waiting for this remake. I, I say go and experience it now. Because this this whole remake that's going on, it's not like it's a, an HD like remake. They're just it's it's a whole other experience. Like, is it going to follow the same story and everything like that? Yeah, probably. But the way that they're going to be implementing it, as we can see in their previous remakes of the series, it's it just has a different feel to it. So go and experience the old one now, and then when this one comes out, go and do that. Um. I love that they had, you know, they're they're working on the PS VR too. I'm glad that they're not like abandoning the the whole VR stuff. They came out with some great trailers and some previews, especially for Horizon. That looks amazing. And um, gosh, I think I think the only thing, and uh, I don't know how people are going to feel about this, but I think it was the roller dome that I think was my only real low point of it that I just, it just didn't hit me. It wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea. Like I saw it, it looks cool, but it'll probably be a pass for me. Other than that, some other games that I, I heard for the first time that is definitely really up my alley is Eternites, which is like this RPG hack is slashes looking thing, but dating sim that has like my name all over it. <laughs> but those, those are a couple of my, my highlights. And of course I ended it with uh, Final Fantasy 16, which looks glorious. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Which, I really enjoyed it uh, more than I thought I would, um, and that was really interesting to me because the what I really appreciated about what they did with State of Play was the fact that they ended it as soon as they were done, which I think that more creators, publishers, whoever, whatever they're producing. As soon as you're done, end it because it left me there wanting more and but yet satisfied for what I just saw and experienced from, you know, Spider-Man coming to PC from Callisto looking like it was, which I'll never play. I'll probably watch you play that at some point uh, from from the uh, letter uh, to the future. Uh, that one was cool with uh, the lady riding the bicycle and all that stuff uh, from the cat. Uh, game stray that was interesting 
uh, to me. Uh, Final Fantasy, of course, was amazing. Street Fighter Six was absolutely incredible. So all those things to me are fantastic. And as soon as they're done, they say, hey, that's it. We're done. We're out of here. And I think that that is what I love to see when I'm watching any pieces of content. Uh, from a production standpoint, I was really impressed by how they you know, created the actual uh, show and even what they they actually um, showcased was amazing too. Yeah, they pretty much dropped the facts and then walked out the door, which, yeah, I have to agree. I really love that too. Um, and it wasn't just like a bunch of talking. I'm, I'm glad that there was just, I think there was only two of them that really said anything about their games. One was um, for uh, Horizon and of course the introduction of Final Fantasy 16. And you know what? I'm going to say this is very interesting about me because I know we have this a little bit later on to the docket here. Uh, Street Fighter Six, like the way that they the the trailer started, because I don't I don't really I don't play fighters. I know my boyfriend does. He's really super into that. I don't pay attention to it too much, too often. I'm very 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 light on it. But I'm not even gonna I'm not even kid you. I thought it was I thought the way that it entered into it. It was some like, you know, reimagination of Streets of Rage or something. And I was like, that's Chun-Li. Wait a second. And, you know, the way that it played out, like it is so visually different from what, you know, five is right now. And then uh, I I got to still look into it about what what is going on and what everybody, you know, the FGC community is really saying about it. But I got this like little open worldish kind of vibe from it because you see him walking through and starting these fights, and it, it was it was definitely interesting and kind of made me want to look into what it's about. Am I going to play it? I'm not too sure. I know that my boyfriend's probably going to pick it up, but I, I think that's really cool for a trailer for me who doesn't really play fighters has like doesn't really pay attention to it to have that interest it peaked you find out okay what is going on because this looks really cool yeah so street fighter 6 really threw me off because i thought i was getting something like a like a final fight type side scrolling thing and as you mentioned as soon as i saw chun li i was like wait a minute this is not anything that i was expecting and it was almost this hesitation of do I get excited now because I see Chun-Li, you know, being a, a super master of, of what she does or do you know what I mean? So so there was that going on with me as I was checking it out. And until they announced that it was Street Fighter six, it doesn't matter what Street Fighter it is. doesn't matter what year I've been playing Street Fighter since the early 90s. So I'm always going to buy it regardless or acquire it or download it from whatever from you know epic game store if they ever offer something free i'm always going to have street fighter somewhere right and i think that the beauty of some of the things that they're doing with street fighter 6 it almost looks like a tekken type of of framework like even with the way the graphics are represented but not so much right where potential crossovers in the future will lend to this type of style to easily get integrated into that particular universe, right? So I thought that was amazing too, just watching it. And uh, I'm just excited for for Street Fighter. I know there were a lot of leaks that people were were seeing online this past couple of days, which you know I don't necessarily entertain leaks all the time. Um, and I, I believe that Cop, Capcom said something specifically to the effect of uh, they 
what people have seen the last couple of days is not something that they wanted individuals to see, you know, this early or maybe if at all. So that was in the news as well when it comes to the Street Fighter stuff. But they always done they they've in my opinion, they've always done an incredible job with the Street Fighter series. And it's a series that I believe is gonna go for a very, very long time. I mean, honestly, do any developers, any studios want anybody to see leaks? <laughs> no. Right. So very interesting statement to be like, yeah, we didn't want you to see that. No kidding. That's why it's called a leak. <laughs> but anyways, it still looks cool. I'm still going to like look out for any information that comes out about it. Um, I'll probably try it out whenever, you know, my boyfriend goes and picks it up and, and see what that's about. But it really was Chun-Li. I mean, for the times that any time that I ever go and play with friends or given the opportunity, I kind of just choose her. <laughs> and that's just kind of how I've always been as a kid from like Street Fighter one playing with my cousin. Um, but it it looks like fun. It's definitely a very different vibe to it. Yeah, definitely excited for it, uh, for sure. A couple of quick hits. I definitely want to mention after 18 months, PS5 has cleared 20 million units sold. Uh, we, I think we briefly mentioned PlayStation uh, with uh, Spider-Man and Miles Morales are officially coming to PC. Um, any thoughts on that before we do some quick hits with the news? I'm glad that it's a lot faster that it's coming to PC. A lot. I mean, it could have been like the day one and that would have been nice, but it's PlayStation. So you got to wait that year. But waiting a year or so-ish? Not too bad, I guess. There's people pumped about it, so I'm not yeah. going to harp on their. Yeah, for sure. So I did see that Amazon to publish disruptive games, upcoming online multiplayer action adventure game. Okay, so I know you have a great history with Amazon. <laughs> what are your, what's your take on this? I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon right now at the moment, but at this point, I think they're just better off being publishers, not developers. Because <laughs> it's not working out for them very well at all. I mean, New World is like just dead. They're trying really hard to keep it alive, but uh, their player base has definitely dropped off a lot. You don't really see people talking about it. You don't see anybody pumped about any updates that they have coming out. Um so I'm sorry to think that maybe just just be publishers. That's okay too. That's perfectly fine until you figure out whatever it is you're trying to do. Have like somebody who has a good history of creating great games and just let them publish on your platform. That's that's all I got. Yeah, so you have that. Then we talked about Street Fighter 6. Tekken 7 has now sold 9 million copies worldwide, making it... Uh, the highest selling game in a series. And I definitely want to go back to um, this one, which to me, it's it's probably the best thing that I saw most of this week, Sonic Frontiers. I love everything about that. So I watched this, the, um, the seven minute clip that they had. I thought that was amazing. And I'm just a big Sonic fan. So that I did see. And what are your, what's your take on Sonic? It's it's good to see the revival in the interest and reimagining to have a younger generation fall in love with, with Sonic. And this game looks fun and exciting. 
Yeah, I'm super pumped for it because um, what they've been able to do with Sonic, like every time they do something with Sonic, it always comes out amazing. And I know I'm a super fan. It is what it is. I just love everything that they're doing with the series. Uh, Sega Genesis Mini 2, uh, that I'm going to see what's happening there. I guess the minis are still a thing. Uh, are you a mini person? Do you, do you get those things regularly or, or what's, your, what's your take on that? Not every single one of them, but this is like, okay, so you have the mini and then you have the CD mini part that's going to be attached to it. The Sega Genesis CD to this day is still my absolute favorite console. I love those cheesy games that came out on Sega CD. All the really cheesy corny full motion video games i mean there's all not the all of them were full motion videos but i'm pumped for this i i love this i really love this i was really excited to see this um be announced and um of course i want it of course of course (laughs) of course uh so you considered a dreamcast or saturn mini but it wouldn't have been a difficult it would have been a difficult and expensive process. Uh, so that's some information there, some tidbits there. Rare developers are still playing Xbox's unannounced GoldenEye 007 port. Any thoughts on those things? Uh, no. Nothing there? <laughs> that's fine. I mean, it's GoldenEye. Come on. I mean, but I think that's still going to have this nostalgia factor that I don't know if everybody's going to jump onto that. But golden eye come on absolutely absolutely so you have that ubisoft isn't planning to hold its own e3 style showcase in june and i don't know if we're supposed to be surprised by that i don't think so it's more of like leaving a posty note on the refrigerator hey i'm going to the store later am i surprised that you are no (laughs) Right. Right. So so there's that. Okay, so Summer Game Fest almost here, right? And I'm excited for some announcements. The only the only thing I'm really excited for, I hope I get, but I want to hear your your take heading into this particular thing next week. As I get older, I start having less expectations about certain things. I think the only thing I really want to hear about anymore is really the PSVR 2. Game-wise, I don't think there's anything right now that um, I could think of that I'm hoping to hear more about. I like the surprise factor of things. But hardware-wise is something that I am. Like, I'm hoping that there's something for Sony for more about PSVR, um, more games for it, like what we can we expect it price point on it all all of those other other announcements that would be tied to it but other than that i'm just looking for a good time which jeff keely seems to always deliver on that is he puts on a great show i love what he does i love his production i love how fun it is i love how it's just so I guess in a way, community oriented, like he has this passion for it that everybody else also shares with him and to be a part of it and to watch it. I think that is, that is what I look forward to. Yeah, it's definitely a dope show. I got to a point 
during his um, spaces earlier where I almost got an opportunity to speak, but he was closing the the particular space. But he is excited for the industry and his excitement fuels a lot of the things that he's done and continues to do in the industry for sure. So Summer Games Fest, uh, for me, the thing that I'm really hoping for is that we finally get a release date for Turtles Shredder's Revenge. That's all I care about right now. It's been that for the last year plus, I guess at this point, that's, that's all I want to see. I want to hear it, it. It is announced. We get a date. It is the eighth itself, or it is the last Friday of June, something, you know what I mean? Like, that's all I care about. You know, I play destiny every year, as you know, every season that comes out, I dabble in the game. That's been the main game for the last couple of years, or really ever since the game's been out. But Turtles, because of the nostalgia, and they they really try to capture the arcade feel, you know, with this particular title, that I'm so excited for that one. I know you are. You're a huge Turtle fan. So I hope they deliver that for you and you, you get that answer. For me, I'm just I'm just gonna enjoy the ride. Yeah, it should be fun, though. I'm looking forward to checking it out. So you have that uh, Summer Games Fest. Uh, definitely check that out. That's the 8th uh, of June. So that's right around the corner. And then uh, a couple of things, a couple of quick hits, and then we'll, we'll begin wrapping up. Modern Warfare 2, that looks amazing. The fact that they brought back Modern Warfare 2, I could be very long-winded with Modern Warfare takes right now. But what I will say, so I'm not long-winded, is it's amazing that they're considering this title to release this year after the year that they had last year and how they released Vanguard with all the internal stuff that they were having. So uh, I, I guess I want to keep that particular section short, but I want to hear your thoughts on that in relation to the fact that they're not necessarily recycling, but, you know, we reimagine games. We see a lot of these remakes. What, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts there? <laughs> Okay, so why does it have to be called? I guess it makes sense why it has to be called Modern Warfare 2, but it's not to be confused of the original Modern Warfare 2 of like 2009. Not to be confused with the Modern Warfare 2 remake of 2020. (laughs) But at this point, you should have just called it Modern Warfare 22 because 2022 because it's Modern Warfare 2. Two. <laughs> I don't know. I think the naming is ridiculous. But why? Why? When you just had a remake of it a couple of years ago that you're going to come out with it again? Are you just... <sighs> You're really hurting for money that bad. Really? That's all the hate I have. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's going to sell like hotcakes, though. Like, this is going to sell like hotcakes. That's just that's just the nature of this game. Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare 1, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2. Probably two of their best-selling titles. I think Modern Warfare 3, I think they had a 3, right? I mean, they had so many of them. Um, but this one 
the maps on this one. I think Burger Town is a particular section when you come up the escalator and then there's the, the little place where you can or, order like burgers and stuff like that. So this one has iconic maps. Uh, Favela, I think, was in there as well as a map. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the 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 yacht stage, you know, the boat stage um, is on that one as well. The most iconic Modern Warfare game maps that, you know, sticks out for a lot of the players, right? And I didn't get into Modern Warfare any or Call of Duty anything until Call of Duty 3. You know, I heard about 1 and 2, dabbled in 3, got hooked for a long time from four on, you know, Modern Warfare one and then uh then on. But let's let's see what they do with it. But I believe that's gonna sell like hotcakes. And they needed the surge back into their um I guess ecosystem, you know, for the game because the game is that good and it's able to pull a lot of individuals back um into the competitive scene for this iconic game. So those are some opinions there. Uh, next thing I do have is Escape from Tarkov. Arena is a new standalone game project from developer Battle State Games. Any thoughts about Tarkov? I hear good things. I hear a lot of good things and people like it. I've never played it. Um, so I guess it's a good thing. I mean, obviously they maintain their player base and people enjoy it. So I'm, I'm sure people are really uh, super excited about it and it should be interesting to hear something more about um, Tarkov from different players and their community. Yeah, that's, that should be good. That should be good. So you have that. Uh, tell me why it's free to download on Xbox and PC. Knockout City has officially gone free to play. Any thoughts on those two things? I kind of got that hint that Knockout City would get to that point. Um I mean, it has, it's like it's a fun game and people really liked it. But if you want to stay, you know, relevant and maintain a player base. I get it. Free to play is the option. People will come back. People will do it and give different ways for them to make money. Yeah, for sure. And and then last but not least, Wolfenstein, the new, the new order is the next free game on Epic Games Store. Um, I definitely need to look into that and pick that up. Anything free, anything dope when it comes to the game stuff, I definitely want to uh, check out for sure. Uh, did you play the New World Orders? I know there were a few of the Wolfenstein games in the last couple of years. No, I have not, but I did claim this one already. Yeah, yeah, I definitely need to do that. And uh, that's all we have for episode 615. Uh, definitely check out the Discord, the AllianceDiscord.com. That's where I'll have all updates for upcoming spaces or any other projects that I'm working on. And Daniela, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, all those wonderful places at Miss DJM. And Andrew, where can they find you? You can find me at Uriah, U R I Y Y A. And thank you for listening. And until next time, take care. Bye, guys.